Hello, and welcome to Tokelore. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kiki. Join us as we discover how important folklore is to our survival. As we traverse ancient and contemporary cultures. Finding the stories that connect us throughout humanity. All while smoking marijuana. Today we'll be talking about the slua. A terrifying, soul-sucking creature. Yeah, terrifying and fascinating. We'll talk about how it's transformed through history. How they can be avoided. And what happens when they get you. to talk about folklore a little bit before we got started. We've touched on it. We've talked about how it's in everything and all things. Pretty much anything that we're doing, we're participating in folklore in some ways. But we haven't really talked about what folklore means. And it's hard to define because it's constantly changing. According to the American Folklore Society, in part, this is also because particular folklorists emphasize particular parts or characteristics of the world of folklore as a result of their own work, their own interests, or the particular audience they're trying to reach. And for folklorists, as far as for the members of any group who share a strong interest, disagreeing with one another is part of the work and the enjoyment of the field and is one of the best ways to learn. So like that approach to life. Yeah. That's kind of what we're trying to do here. I thought it was like, that's that's pretty pretty on key for what we're doing. And so that really ties into how, like today's creature, which is the slua, it's an example of how a lot of people can share a folk tradition, but that folk tradition can be different in each different folk group, no matter what size. If they're separated by a valley or a mountain or even a country or a sea or something, they can share certain characters, but it's always going to vary. So you're always constantly going to come upon these frustrating things like, okay, I'd like to nail this creature down, and you can't. Mm-hmm. And the slua is kind of like like that okay yeah because i remember thinking initially that this one probably wouldn't fall under our topic as Mm -hmm. we have defined it Mm -hmm. but you make a really great point in that eventually in its try in in its journey and evolution it becomes so yes so it may not necessarily have always been Mm -hmm. a person who has died and come back from the dead or right or from a long absence (laughs) right (laughs) But but they're they're actually a type of fairy creature, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a prime example of how folklore also has changed what it means throughout time. So this creature has also changed what it means throughout history, depending on also who's influencing it. It's also an example of how folklore is a living thing and changes with the culture. Similar to how the Pontianoc had a lot of layers to its folklore that it accrued over time, that it, it sort of kept, but it was all just sort of like yeah. 
it just had a lot of different layers that were like, oh, oh, okay, I don't think I was originally there, but okay. The folklore for the Slua changed as, like, just exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kiki has pulled together for us a nifty pronunciation guide for Gaelic, Gaelic tips. For those of you who don't know, this is an incredibly complex language to learn because there are so many different rules and variations on how something is pronounced based on what precedes it in the word. Mm-hmm. And much at a much more complex level than what we experience with the English language. Because some of the things that I saw on this initial, like, quick tips list is that, that words with the G-H or the D-H are, mm-hmm. are said hard like the English G. But it's the last two letters of the word, the slua. Right. And they don't say it with the hard no. G. We're assuming that's because in Gaelic pronunciations, your emphasis goes on the first half mm-hmm. of the name or the first syllable. And so you don't want to have a harsh sound no. to compete with the first syllable, especially when it's right. like soft and sibilant, like the slua. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah. And it also depends on like where you are. So Mm -hmm. Scottish Gaelic and Welsh Gaelic are different and Irish Gaelic is also different. And this, I think, leans more towards the Welsh Gaelic. But I think these this is kind of the general rules for all of them. Yeah. So in Gaelic, there are only 18 letters. H changes the sound of the letter that is preceding it. So a, a good example would be the name Siobhan. Mm-hmm. So in the Gaelic spelling, it's S-I-O-B-H-A-N. So the H being there changes the sound of the B, and it sounds a little bit like a V mm-hmm. in our American accents. <laughs> uh, and B-H and M-H both make that sort of English soft V sound that you mm-hmm. hear in Siobhan. Yep. And then you'll have a lot of letters with accents on them, and anytime you see an accent, you say it the long vowel way, like ah, mm-hmm. father. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. that's a very well used example. <laughs> so when you see the letters F H, they're actually silent. Don't say it. I don't have an example. Yeah, it's okay. We're, it's, the Gaelic. only Gaelic word we're using here is the slua anyway. So <laughs> yeah, not like it matters right. too much. We're not gonna try mm-hmm. to read any Gaelic passages for <laughs> you here tonight. No. Interesting, the letters R-T and R-H actually give you the English sound sh, mm-hmm. the and S-H sound. But the S-H and T-H are like the English H. So you get the ha. Mm-hmm. So and that's then, not confusing whatsoever. And then the letters A and O make an O, make an o sound, long O. Mm-hmm. Sound that's like why. So slua is spelled S-L-A-U-G-A. Oh, U-A-G-H. Thank you very much. So, slua. Slua. Big bad slua. Interesting thing about the word, because we're trying to make a point of saying slua, because that is the Gaelic pronunciation, mm-hmm. but it is actually often used for the same word that we know as the, a slew, like a whole slew of people. Yeah. A lot. So a great host. And actually the definition of the word slua is mm-hmm. a host. Yes. Exactly. As in like a group, a, group, a giant a group. Big group. Yes. So a slew of people is also the same word. We just uh-huh. say it in, in our know, American English way. You know, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. I was pronouncing. Okay, so in our notes here, because we have these neat little notes, um, it says. <laughs> you, you start making those a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I love PowerPoints. <laughs> okay, they just make me happy. Good. But we are used to seeing the Gaelic spelling for fairy as S 
I-D-H-E, and it being pronounced she. But there's also another spelling that I didn't realize was there until I saw the correct spelling of it. There's an, supposed to be an accent on the I. You can also spell it S-I-T-H, and it's also pronounced she. And I'm like, oh, so, Sith. oh my gosh, Star Wars. <laughs> But the fairies were bad. <laughs> all depends on where you sit in that world. So that is true. There, there was also fairies that you could petition for luck and for help. And, you know, mm-hmm. they always had a price. That is true. But it wasn't always evil. Mm-hmm. Maybe mischievous. Yeah. In 1690, Robert Kirk, who was, who was a really well-known Scottish folklorist, he distinguished between two specific types of slua there was the slua she that we are talking that we've been talking about and then the okay you're gonna have you're gonna i'm gonna have you pronounce this one thanks (laughs) (laughs) i think it's slua sugalta Sugalta? that's why i put that ao in the the pronunciation guide because i don't think i had that in there originally and then i was like oh we're gonna need that that. (laughs) yeah that's why i also put it in there because i'm like okay we're gonna need that and it's g-h-a-o so yeah galta gulta sugalta sugalta yeah i'm gonna go yeah um, so, a fairy host and an earthly host. Uh-huh. So, one of the air, one of the earth. He, he being Robert Kurt, says that the souls go to the she when dislodged. It sort of bridges the concept of a human soul and a supernatural creature. Yes. Run that by me one more time. Okay. A little bit of background. At this point, Christianity had been in, at like, a foothold in Europe for 600 years. That's it. That's actually not very long. Especially considering how long some of these other cultures have mm-hmm. hold in that area. Yeah. So. so historians like to put 10,000 AD. I was. I always want to say BC, but then I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. It's before BC Jesus. is before common area. Yeah, it's before Jesus. I can't have Christianity before Christ. Christianity. Right? <laughs> Anywho. So that's... <laughs> That's how you know the difference between the two. <laughs> and A.D. doesn't mean after death. Mm-hmm. It means Anodeus, which means the year of our Lord. How would we know that there is a Sua in our presence? Well, they like to appear as gusts of wind, undulating flocks of birds. Mm. I like that word, undulating. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind is a giant glob of jello. <laughs> Or maybe a big old pile of jam. If I saw an undulating pile of jam or jello, I I would think I'm in some sort of 40s horror movie. Oh, they appear as armies battling in the sky. There is one account that I read of in one of our many sources, it'll be in our source notes, that they were seen as armies battling in the sky. They're just... It's like, well, that's terrifying Interesting. <laughs> when you think about it. Okay. Um, and they were always moving and shifting in the shadows. They sometimes appeared as haggard, thin, emaciated, human-like with leathery wings. And when they're folded in, they look like they just have a long cape on. But their arms and hands turn into claws. Mm. Okay. Yep. 
That's a really common feature, I feel like, in Revenants. Zombies. Well, they become pretty p- predatory yeah. after death. It's it's not pretty. They always travel in groups, which is why mm-hmm. they're often seen as a flock of birds, mm-hmm. right? And they prey on souls, and they wait for the last breath of the dying or the sick. Fucking they, they a. They do occasionally hunt healthy people too, if they're feeling depressed or heart sick. It's not common, but yeah. you can be susceptible to a fairy, or not fairy, a, a slua mm-hmm. uh, attack, or they're you know take your soul away. Mysterious uh, deaths were often attributed to them. So if you couldn't explain it, it was the slua. So oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, Robert yeah. Kirk, a Scottish folklorist. Tell us about him. So he died in 1692, which is really interesting to me because we had a quote by him. Yeah, 1690. Just two years earlier. He was found dead on a hillside, just dead. And he may have had some sort of heart attack, but they believed that he was actually taken to the fairy kingdom. And, uh uh-huh, and he left his, he actually left instructions on how to bring him back safely, and I I suppose his friend followed the instructions, and he was supposed to shoot a pistol over the specter of Robert Kirk, and that would break the spell, and he would come back to the earthly realm, and he appeared, apparently, but... His friend was too astonished that he didn't fire the pistol and release and break the spell. So he, so he he's, he is trapped in the fairy kingdom to this day, wow. apparently. And something that they like to do if they've picked you as their target is they'll pick you up with their claws and then they'll just drop you from a really big height. And you're dead. Which, actually, another bird of prey hunts exactly the same way. Which one? An eagle. Interesting. They will drop the salmon that they get, you know, when they Mm -hmm. pick it up in the river. They'll drop it to kill it. Because if it's moving too much, they can't fly very well. Ah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, during the day, they hide in hidden, dark, forgotten places. And then when the sun goes down, they swarm from the west, hunting souls. Yep. So, coming from the west. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember. One of the sources that I read said why. And then I would try to go back through and find that part. But I was skimming and I couldn't find that part. So I can't remember which one said why they come from the West, but I think it has something to do with gates, like some Martians, gates of the souls. Potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, superstition around Wittershins, and I forget the, the terms for going clockwise or counterclockwise around things and, and bringing, mm-hmm. yeah. I've learned about it little bits, but not enough to remember. They also are known to attack livestock and are blamed for general misgivings in the community. Famine, disease, anything that is unexplainable Mm -hmm. or or devastating. Yep. Which is, you know, pretty par for the course for most of our cultures that we have Mm -hmm. explored, and even the ones that we're still entertaining, whether or not we will do an episode about them this season. So, yeah. It's definitely been an interesting journey as we think we find a good revenant and then to find out it's not a revenant yeah. at all and it never was uh-huh. i was really looking forward to the wendigo yeah me too 
but it's not actually a revenant. No. They don't die. They, they turn into... Uh, they just transform. Yep. Okay, so tell us, since we are going to learn about this evolutionary journey of the mm-hmm. of the slua, oh, we'll just call it a lady. <laughs> The slua. The slua. Oh, well, okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. How did they begin? So, well, first, I have a little bit of a disclaimer because before Christianity took a hold in the British Isles, including Ireland, uh, fucking a. <laughs> <laughs> She's cursed, folks. She's uh, the uh, just perched on my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> A bird. It's a bird! (laughs) (laughs) So keep in mind that before Christianity took hold, the Romans were there. And the Gaelic and the Celtic culture didn't write things down. So the people that did write things down were writing it down from an outsider's perspective. So we have to keep that in mind when we're describing the pre-Christian Gaelic culture. They were seen as pretty barbaric and savage, and a lot of times Romans would attribute Gaelic attributes onto people who weren't. Most likely the Slavs, they would attribute Gaelic, so they would call them Gaels. So a lot of times you have a lot of confusing, like, oh, wait, where are they from? It's not entirely clear where the Gaels are from. Aren't they Celtic? The Celts are all throughout... They're everywhere, though, yeah. as well as the Saxons and mm-hmm. and so many other groups. They sort of intermingled in a way. Mm-hmm. So Gaelic is used as a general term for shared traditions, but there isn't always necessarily even a genetic link. The Druid, so the Druid class in Celtic culture that we're going to be talking about, they were the intellectuals of their time. They were also kind of the priests, so they kept all of the... In- all of the information and the history yes all the stories in some writings they were also used as government in some societies and they did not believe in writing things down they did not believe it they what the great courses plus or the wondrium course that i was listening to she and i'm sorry i cannot remember her name i'm terrible at that she was saying how they thought that it made you soft in the head if you wrote things down i'm like Okay. They're like, well, how can you be strong of mind if you aren't making yourself remember things? And I'm like, good point, though. Very good point. They certainly, their brains worked totally different in relation relation to memory than our brains do now, I think. Because they made an entire livelihood of remembering and passing Mm -hmm. on all of the information of their people, their culture, their history, their... Mm -hmm rules they're what you need to know to survive and the important aspects of what keeps your culture alive your mm-hmm. people alive mm-hmm. and we also so we know that the writings before christianity took a hold were written by outside observers mm-hmm. so we also have to consider that they had different purposes in their writings there is a clear tug of war happening between cultures so when the romans <laughs> invaded ireland there's there's clearly some people going to they're going to write things that are not very nice and doesn't doesn't paint a very pretty picture so the slua were known also as the underfolk or the wild hunt they started out as fairies that had no allegiance or any sort of reason they were 
a part of the Unseelie court. But they were very chaotic and uncontrollable. So yeah, they but were yeah, they needed. turned on anybody and everybody and did whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Some of the sources that I saw, they said that death even had to kind of be like, oh, well, if, if he beats me to the soul, he beats me to the soul. I have to, or the, if the Slua beat me to the soul, they beat me to the soul. I have to step aside. It. Yeah. Dang. Right. I have a question because there was, you do have a note here that we didn't talk about. Texts that survive were written by observers and people who encountered them. Any Gaelic texts survive in partial inscriptions like Ogum. Oum. Oum. It's Oum. But the GH. I know, but it's O, it's, it's always been pronounced Oum to me. Wait, okay, Tocloris. Yeah. Break our tie. Is it Oum? Or Ogum. Or Ogum. Because the GH is the GH. I would say Ogum mm. or Ogum, but... Me too. That it looks like that, but I've heard Ogum. Okay. Well... Tokloris, break the tie. We have time for a toke break. Toke break. Get bong, grab the munchies. Toke break. I'm saying um a lot. You are. Um, um, um. I'm going to get it all out. Um, 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 um. Or you're just going to get yourself so warmed up that every other word is going to have um attached but to it. But it'll be a musical um. Okay. break the tie. We have, we definitely have plenty of words <laughs> like that between American English and British English and right. other English type of dialects out there on how something should be pronounced. Right. So, that doesn't sound a lot to me like this Lua are a revenant in, no. by their origins there mm-hmm. in that regard. So. I picture Reavers from Firefly. Or I, another example that I saw was Orcs. Because orcs were originally elves. Okay. And they yeah. were twisted and I think okay. they covered so it. after Christianity, when it took hold in the British Isles and in continental Europe, historians say probably around 10,000 AD. Mm-hmm. That's about the date when all of Europe was considered Christian. At that point, most of Europe was. Iceland was yeah. the last holdout. That transformed the lore. Yeah, I'm saying that's going to change stories all over the place. Oh yeah, Christianity has completely different perspectives on things than than well the cultures that they dominated. What I think some scholars would call pagan culture, just in general, not even just Gaelic, just as well as as Norse. I mean, pagan is used as a term to mean not Christianity, basically. Exactly. It's it's just a way of basically dismissing everything else as. Not valid. I'm not trying to dismiss it as not valid. It needs to be said that that's that was the purpose yeah. of it, and that's not as how we're trying to use it. So, for example, a lot of Celtic gods and goddesses actually became saints, like Saint Bridget. Mm-hmm. I, th- I believe before she was Christianized, she was a fertility goddess. I believe, yeah, she had a lot of really interesting miracles. Isn't the cross of St. Bridget you're supposed to put on your front door is good luck for your home? That and a horseshoe. An iron horseshoe above your door will keep out evil spirits. After Britain and Ireland was converted, Mm -hmm. all of the fae were 
not called the Fae or fairies no. anymore. They call them good people. The, the good, good people. people. Well, and like the this. reason you call them the good people is because you don't want to offend them. Right. Which is interesting that Christianity was afraid of them enough. I think that was started even before Christianity, maybe. Because right? you don't ever want to... Because even, sure. even after Christianity, they still practice certain things. They put out saucers of milk or even beer, mm-hmm. any leftover beer, and, and um, they would leave out during harvest time that actually leave a certain amount in the field mm-hmm. for, uh, I think they call it, but called it the f- fairy share or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Something, something like cool. that. Yeah. So basically Christianity couldn't completely take hold. Really. They both changed and created something new because it couldn't completely wipe out the culture that it has had colonized mm-hmm. so they appropriated things from each other mm-hmm. to coexist because so much of what they believed had these perfect parallels that made it real easy for them to be like oh yeah same with like voodoo when we mm-hmm. talked about that one as well which is like interesting how they were able to find exactly. these similarities or what did and what did voodoo do with catholic saints they transformed well they didn't even transform them they didn't need to be transformed they were also the ewa Mm -hmm. or the loa Mm -hmm. why we're just tying it all together today Mm -hmm. we're learning that's what this means right uh and so instead of them being fairy they were really treated more like uh fallen angels or demons Mm -hmm. the slua though they became the unforgiven dead Oh, yes. okay. So this is where they become a revenant now. This is when they've so, been transformed. Okay. So, yes. So now a slua, who were once evil fairies, are now actually referred to as a soul that has died without forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So basically destined to roam the earth miserable yeah. or something? Yeah. Yep. Know, the hell you're, even you're so bad, hell doesn't even want you, which reminds me of a Rob Zombie song, which I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say which one, but it's a good song, if you know which one I'm talking about. Okay. I don't, and that's okay. You can share with me afterwards. So the next one we're going to talk about is warding them off. Oh, yes. How do we? It's very important. We sort of touched on it a little bit a little already. Bit. Because bit. really they just need to be appeased. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but these these you ones. Keep them happy, they won't cause problems. See those those ones are those are just mischievous ones. Okay. These are the downright evil. Mm-hmm. Hell doesn't even want. How is a pail of oh, saucer of okay. milk gonna right. gonna Hell save you from a slua? No, if if someone in your home is sick or close to dying, you close and lock all of your westward facing windows because that's where they come from, and that's where they can enter your house. And they can Unless. enter your house without permission. Some of these, some of these Christianized creatures can't. Mm-hmm. The vampire is a right. really prime example of that. Mm-hmm. And an, another way to ward them off is just avoid being outside at night. Yeah, just a general just good stay, rule. Stay home. That's a good idea. Stay after nightfall, stay indoors. If you do encounter a slua, the only way to escape is if you put someone else in your place. <laughs> You have to sacrifice somebody else. But if you do that, if you choose to do that, you're going to become one anyway. If you die a natural or an unnatural death, you're going to become a slua anyway. I mean, you've pretty much committed one of, like, the the top ten no-no sins. And don't say their name. Which we've said it a lot. Shoot. We should probably close and lock all of our westward windows. All of our westward facing windows. 
Whew, okay, so there's really not, like, anything you can do to fight them off. No. There are just a couple of things that they recommend you do to prevent, but uh, those are really hard to avoid all the time. That that's This is probably one of the more daunting <laughs> revenant creatures that we've encountered. Thank you so much, Scotland. I'm going to say Scotland because that's what Robert Kirk was talking about. Well, they're all, they all are distant cousins. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have unique cultures to each of their own parts of the islands, but they still have common ancestry mm-hmm. between them, so it's understandable that these, these stories continue on throughout the isles. Wow! So it's time okay. for the taxonomy! Ah, oh, benign, liminal, or malignant. I don't know, benign maybe? No, they're malignant. <laughs> I would agree. I agree. Come on, you um, yeah. yourselves called them, you yourself called them evil fairies. Evil. They're evil. So bad hell doesn't want them. Yeah, I'd say benign. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> they could be so good hell doesn't want them. Corporeal in between or incorporeal. Definitely, well, okay, they sometimes appear as shadows. I think they're in between. I think they're in between. We don't have a lot of those. No, we don't. In fact, I think Vampire's the only one we've been able to find. The only other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do. They can appear as as shadows. Shitty shadows. (laughs) (laughs) They can can hide in shadows, so they can vanish and Mm -hmm. be on... Oh my goodness. Have you heard about shadow people? Do you know about them? They're scary. I like how Um, you got very serious. You adjusted your glasses. (laughs) I'm, uh... It's such a really generic name. I'm not really uh-huh. sure in what context you're okay. referring to. So there is this episode of this show that I can't currently remember the name of, but the episode takes place in Eugene, Oregon. Doesn't look like Eugene, Oregon to me, but anyway. Oh, I know the one you're talking yeah. about. It's on Hulu. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like... It's like Legends Was that like a that. single slua? Is that just a slua just attaching himself to somebody? Or is that something different? Maybe we'll dif- we'll discover what a shadow person is um, in our later revenants. Actually, I think that you've got the starts on that research for one already. Oh, I do? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, which one? Uh, Ekimu and uh, Edimu. Oh, that's tr- Holy shit, yes, yeah. I do. And I... Hold- <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, Tokoris, yeah. if you are doing research for something, mm-hmm. don't use google.com. Type in scholar.google.com. It'll save your life. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, because it'll actually help you find articles. Like, yes. edu- like- Papers written by doctorates, people who are folklorists for a living mm-hmm. that know this stuff. Precisely. I kept yeah. Googling stuff and just coming upon the same yeah, things. For no, 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 no. I like to use Wikipedia to give me some research starts, yeah. but I always go through and I'm like, no, 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 this BS, BS, BS. Not always, but sometimes. Uh, anywho. Yes. We're no, back on our taxonomy yeah. stuffs. More immortal or immortal they are now? Immortal. I would say so as well. There's they really yeah. Death doesn't um, even touch them. Yeah, I, once they're dead, they come back. They are what they are, but they don't ever go away. There's no killing them. Here's unless you have iron. Here's a really good question though: herbivore, omnivore, or carnivore? They're soul suckers. What is a soul? I would call it a carnivore. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, carnivores are typically life takers. Mm-hmm. Or scavengers, yep. and they do uh, act like both yep. a scavenger and a hunter yep. and a predator. I, I would consider them a carnivore, especially because slua are also known to be violent. 
they may take your soul, but they also may take your life in a violent way. Because mm-hmm. they drop <laughs> you from a very low, very, yeah. very, very, very high height. Very high yeah. height. Yeah. Born or cursed. Definitely cursed, cursed. I'd say. Yep. Because I don't think there's any being born them. I think it's if you're taken by them, you're yeah. cursed. Or if you try to elude them, you're cursed. So really, you're fucked either way. Right. Yeah. Okay. Theme. Theme. You know, I didn't actually put a whole bunch of thought into theme. Oh. This will have to be random. I mean, certainly there's always a fear of death and, and the element of, of revenance. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is a much more... Much deeper, more primal fear. Fear of interacting with after death. I... I want to say that because Celtic also has a lot of Norse influences. Mm -hmm. And in some Norse stories that I've read, some of the characters cause havoc after death in a way. And it's, it's not always in a tangible way. It's through some sort of curse, or it's like, oh, this happened because he died, or mm-hmm. something of that sort. So there's always an interaction with an after-death. It's always an after-death sort of thing. And in some some stories, they even go in, in, on somebody's like burial mound, and they just sit there and talk to that person. They're always interacting with the after-death. And when you think about it, this, the Salua are also incredibly active during Samhain, which is, of course... When it was Christianized, it became Halloween, which is the Eve of All Saints Day, and then All Souls Day, which I believe is November 2nd? First. First? All Saints Day is first. All the Saints Day, isn't All Souls Day is the 31st, I think. I don't know the difference. Yes. I wish I did. I had to go look it up. I just know. I know that Halloween, it was one of many... Mm-hmm. that were appropriated one of the podcasts that i listened to and don't worry we're gonna give them all a shout out they were saying how one of the popes originally tried to change the date of the celebration but it didn't take he tried to change it to like june sorry i'm gonna make you say it just in case you don't remember to come back coffee table mythos episode 14 coffee table mythos i I'll believe have to check that one out that's not one I haven't heard, but that's mostly because a lot of the podcasts I'm listening to are drunk podcasts. <laughs> like Spirits, which we've already mentioned. I believe so. They've inspired us greatly. Mm-hmm. Love those ladies. Mm-hmm. So there we are. <clears throat> Give us your thoughts, what you think might be a theme, mm-hmm. uh, especially, especially because... This is a different one than what we'd normally do. Um, yeah. You, man, I keep doing it now. You've got me thinking about my ums. <laughs> At least I'm pausing. Yeah. I'm pausing, though. I'm to be more <laughs> I think I've done a good job so far. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is probably the only reason why I gave in to your insistence on this one, because <laughs> I didn't necessarily think it belonged in our series. I think it is such an excellent illustration of what we're dealing with in our research and how much it's hard to know at what point do we draw that line. And so this is kind of neat getting sort of the big picture of the Slua throughout history Mm -hmm. uh, because they are connected to multiple cultures because they are Gaelic, but they also are Celtic, but they also evolved and become a part of 
Irish Catholic culture right. or Scottish, you know, did there's, there's this Catholic influence that evolved and changed them into these other, and it still affects their stories, their lore today. They're they still s- fairly yeah. superstitious about these things because it's so deeply ingrained and some, it's part of their culture yes, to pass these Some houses don't on. even have westward facing windows or doors. That's right. really cool. That's really cool. That just is such a deep, intrinsic level of influence of folklore. Like, how many cultures do we know that are that influenced by something that ancient today? So I don't know. I often I I often wonder what it would be like to live in a country where that's like where my ancestors are from. That's my ancestral home, as well as my today home. Right. Well, because our history here is so short. Next, we are moving on to... The fun stuff. The fun stuff. The fun, fun stuff. Right. So, the Slua do make some appearances throughout some really fantastic... You brought this up, one up to me. You keep bringing up this this book series. (laughs) Everybody. Have you gotten the message yet? Yeah. So, Jim Butcher wrote a fantastic series, The Dresden Files, and the Slua do make appearances in his series, more towards the latter part of his series, so, you know, if you want to get to that point, you might, you might want to skip forward. I have a friend who says that you might as well just start with book three, I think it is. He'll he'll correct me. I think I know which friend this is. Mm -hmm. He'll definitely correct us. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's in a a meme. Yeah. Sir? Please. You know who you are? Upon a meme? So they, there have been other, te- other book series as well that they've shown. And in fact, if I remember correctly, I started reading this Laurel K. Hamilton series. I love her. <laughs> and it's not the Anita Blake one. It's the, I forget the name of it now, but it's about a fairy princess, basically. And she has an interesting encounter with the Prince of the Slua. In like the first or second book. I only read I think, two of the books in that series, but yeah. Do so. they get some sexy time going? <laughs> it's weird. Oh no. Let's just say there's just... tentacles involved. Ah! <laughs> You know what, though? I should not be surprised. No, I'm not. I, you know what I should Hamilton. do just to say that I've done it? I should read a Japanese manga with tentacles. Oh, hentai. That's a whole thing. That's a whole type. And I'm not sure I want... I Maybe I'll just look at a page and just be like, okay, look, done. I experienced it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just surprise me. <laughs> okay. The world is so full of so many interesting experiences, you should at least get out of your yeah. box every once in a while. <laughs> it's evidently going to get Let's me out of my say- box. <laughs> I've got some stuff that I can pass along if you're interested. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit, peeps. Here's another shout-out for y'all. It can be a little bit awkward sometimes to tell people the first time that you're a part of a book club called Vaginal Fantasy. Yes! No, it shouldn't be, though. <laughs> so every month they would pick a naughty book, and they all had to be sort of, like, fantasy-based. And the first month that one of her friends... Ladies, do not be shy. I know. I know. Every single one of you read these kinds of books. Do not be shy. So Felicia Day has this book club. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I loved watching them live on YouTube each month after I'd read the book, too. And then we'd just, you know, be there for the discussion, and you could chat at them. And Anyway, so Bonnie Burton, really fascinating woman. She loves Star Wars. She just, She's a crafter extraordinaire and I think had her own little sort of offshoot on Geek and Sundry 
but she works for Disney or Lucasfilms. Oh, making like craft books and things like that. Oh my it's, like, goodness, Star Wars it, she's amazing. She's That's an amazing so cool. human being. She has some really cool stuff, and she's very gothic. And she has this really bizarre obsession with um, taxidermied squirrels. <laughs> other creatures okay. in her uh, and they all very kind of reminds me yeah. of dinner for schmucks how yes. he has this thing for taxidermy yeah. mice mm-hmm. so uh, <laughs> she got to pick the book and uh and everyone in the book club were they were all were like oh god we're terrified what is she gonna make us read so the, it was a collection of short stories called cthulhu erotica yes on such a Cthulhu kick lately. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I just bought a Cthulhu Mythos book. Well, it's a bunch of authors who are all Lovecraft fans, and they all wrote, they're like, what if we collected a bunch of short stories that are erotica written in the style of Lovecraft? And they compiled them all into this book. And some of them are great, and some of them are just really horrifically disturbing. <laughs> it's, not right. a, it's not an easy one to find, but she went out of her way to make everybody uncomfortable. You guys, it's like episode five or six okay. on the Vaginal Fantasy book You need club. to get so uncomfortable once in a while. And watch it. It's really quite hilarious. I found this really cool thriller, like, audio mm-hmm. fiction podcast done by BBC Sounds mm-hmm. called... Oh, drawing a blank you'll find them under like the shadow of Innsmouth shadow over Innsmouth or something like that yeah really good Uh, Lua show up in oh uh, in in Lost Girl okay I don't actually remember that episode which episode is that do you know but apparently it's in that something wicked this fake hum oh wait is the episode the first and that season? is season two. season two. Synopsis is a nomadic phase sideshow comes to town looking to take advantage of the chaos that the bombing of the Light Fae headquarters has wrought, unbeknownst to the general Light Fae populace. The Ash is in a coma and his bond with the land is weakening, which makes this the perfect time for the traveling circus freaks to steal the most precious thing the Light Fae possess. And the Slua are the circus freaks. You know, it's so. They're the outcasts. Of the Fae world. That's really... Okay. And they're trying to take the land. Do you know why... They're, they're but do you know why they hosts. called it that That episode? Do you know why they called Something it that? Like it, this comes. Do you know why they called it that? Mm-mm. It's based off of Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, yes. I picked up on that. And it's the Autumn People. They, he calls them the Autumn People in the book. They come into town and they grant your wishes, but they twist them. And it's some sort of devastating payment. Like, for example, this one guy lost, I think it was a leg or an arm, maybe both. And he used to be a really good football player and he wished he could be a football player and have his arms and legs again. And so he wished for it and they turned him into a child. And then he became a part of the circus. I didn't really think of them as... as as under folk, but, but yeah, now I do. You think about what they're doing. Well, that was quite the turn from tentacle porn to back to <laughs> the slew on. You know what? Life yeah. is pretty interesting, and it takes its, its weird turns. If you have your own taxonomy suggestions for this episode, send us a message on Instagram at toklore.podcast. If you have a story, correction, or resource to share, send us an email at toplorepod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for a sneak peek in next week's episode.
I want to give a huge shout out to Dr. Emily Zarka from the PBS Monstrum podcast. Uh, you can find them on YouTube under Storied. She really opened my eyes to how the Wailing Woman is a revenant. That's right, folks. We're going to cover La Llorona today. I'll admit, I didn't really come into this knowing much about her. I'd really only seen her as like a villain on TV and different shows. Well, what you've seen is a boiled-down amalgam of ancient Mayan myths. She's older than you think, and her stories have spread throughout America. Sarah, are you ready? I'm ready. Grab a nug and some grub. On Tofloor. On fucking Tofloor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be that kind of day. 